0: Welcome to the next episode of Psychics and Sidekicks. I'm Sean Bennett, your host. and joined today by Kerry Good. Um, Kerry's got a list of skills and attributes, uh, but self-realisation is one. And I think we'll just work our way into the others, Kerry, if that's all right. Welcome aboard.
1: Thank you, Sean. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: So for the listeners, can you just give us an indication as to what self-realisation means? Mm.
1: So self-realisation is... An experience of experiencing yourself as the spiritual being that you are rather than you know most of us think that we are um human beings with this meat suit, but we're actually spiritual beings. Yep. So self-realisation is having an experience where you are that spiritual essence.
0: Excellent. Now you've you've used a phrase which I have heard only once before, so I'm gonna ask you to just dip into that a bit more as well meat suit
1: meat suit so this human <laughs> body that we've got this meat suit that we've got so this vehicle if you like this physical vehicle that we've got to um, be able to experience our um, source self as you like so that's uh, what I mean by meat suit
0: excellent uh, I've only ever heard it once before so you're the second person to use it um, <laughs> I've certainly not heard it in any context whilst I've been doing these podcasts. So thank you for bringing that one back to the, the front of my memory again. Um, so <clears throat> self-realisation, how did you come about self-realisation for Kerry?
1: Well, as everyone, it's, uh, you know, we all do. It's a, a long journey. Um, for myself, I was born um, a visionary. Mm-hmm. So my path, I... My, uh, physical path my life path in this life has been um from three-year-old being a visionary and trying to understand um what life is about so those big questions like who am i why am i here um as a child visionary i was very much aware that this world is not a world full of love and we are loving beings so that was my path of understanding why we're not loving beings because i knew we all were i mm-hmm. knew i was as a child why do people behave that the way that that we behave and why is society the way that it is so you could really say that um kind of as coming in as a, as a, as a youngster my path was set my goal was to understand what is all this about why do we live the way that we live because we're not we're kind of we've normalised being unnatural we're not our natural spiritual selves
0: okay and now you've used the phrase visionary and I I would imagine if you mention visionaries a lot of people will think of um Steve Jobs as a visionary Mm -hmm. with Apple and, and all the technology there and um Our friend Elon Musk being a visionary. Um personally I don't subscribe to that one. You can probably tell the tone of my voice, but what's a visionary and how do you know you're a visionary at three years old, Kerry?
1: Well, at three years old I was having visions of dystopian society and utopian society. Okay. So obviously at three year old you don't have um very much language to speak Mm -hmm. to people about what you have in these nightly visions yeah so in my case um they would kind of pan out as like um evening events Uh, if it was a dystopian vision then i would be screaming and crying because i was seeing you know things that make the terminator look like a a 12 year movie rather right. than what it is yeah. and then the opposite so the utopian visions were of the heaven that we have and i don't mean heaven as in clouds and harps and things but like where, where we are now this can be heaven or it can be hell and it is to some of us this is yeah. some of us experience our life as being a hellish life some of us experience our life has been a very blissful life the the lucky one so when i was a child i would have nightly visions and they could be one or the other um so that was something i had no control over that would just happen so the the dystopian visions um when they happened then they would um,
0: bring a very
1: um deep um and lasting uh, temperature. The doctor would be called. The doctor would then tell my parents that I'm having visions because i would got a temperature. Well, really, I was that frightened. (laughs) I was that scared of what I was seeing. So if you can imagine these are like nightmares and i was so scared that they would make me feel really poorly so then i'd be poorly for days and then i would have the opposite where i would have these just amazing visions of how humanity can be so as a for me as when i say visionary these are like um things that happened to me rather than something that I wanted like maybe Elon Musk actually I'm born on the same day as Elon Musk right. say, the same <laughs> birthday <laughs> but um, so people like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs have got visions for you know bringing technology to humanity and those kind of things mine was kind of uncontrolled visions of things that a child even an adult wouldn't want to see yeah. so those visions have been with me all my life
0: how difficult could it be to process that? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I've just hit 55, and I struggle to comprehend what it must be like as a three-year-old to have these uh, sort of recurring visions or dreams of such contrasting uh, outcomes, I suppose, or perspectives. I mean, I can remember having some really bad nightmares as a child, but I don't know. Maybe they weren't nightmares, you know, maybe I'm I'm on a learning curve here where I start to understand some of those a little bit more. But how did you cope with that? How did you process it? And it must have been virtually impossible to communicate at that age
1: Absolutely. what you were seeing. It's still quite difficult to, to communicate um, what I was experiencing as a child and what yeah. I experienced from time to time. It's still quite difficult to do that. Um, it's getting better because people are more open to, to listening to things, you know, listening to people like myself say that you've been a visionary because it's not an easy thing to acknowledge to yourself or to say out loud to anybody else because it's like, she needs a straight jacket. That's we need just to tie gonna, her up. You've just, just beaten
0: <laughs> me to it, actually. I was going to say, uh, you know, I, I think that 20, 30, 40 years ago, if I was to start talking about that, I'd be off down the doctors and, you know, I'd be off in... <laughs> In a mental institute, you know, that's probably not the right terminology to use these days, but, you know, let's just be realistic. That's what they were called.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, You know, somebody said recently that teenagers today have the same anxiety levels and um, depression levels as people that were uh, sectioned and put into mental institutes 20, 30 years ago.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That's quite a frightening thought, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah
0: on that basis do you, do you think we're heading towards utopia or dystopia then right i think now? that's
1: a choice <laughs> i think that's a choice that we're all making but going back to answer the question about how did i cope with that yeah. um the thing that helped me cope with that and this is something that i'm really keen on opening discussion about because children are still connected to source yeah. you know i've a couple of times today, I've been at an MBS today, a Mind Body Spirit Festival, and a couple of times today, I've spoken to people and, and used um, like a common experience that a lot of us have, and it's just a, you know, you go to the supermarket and there's often a lady or a gentleman pushing a, a baby round in in one of these trolleys, and you catch a glimpse of that baby's eye, and the baby looks at you, yeah. and there's a transference of energy at that point, and you there's a recognition. There's a baby, a completely innocent baby looking at you and it makes you feel something, doesn't it? I yeah. don't know if you felt that, if you know what I'm talking about. It does, yeah. And,
0: no, I get that. It's, it's, it's one of those things that doesn't matter really what mood you're in at the time. You see that baby smiling back at you and it just puts a smile on your face and there's that sort of positive yeah. connection, connection between the two. Yeah, um, yeah I, I suppose at that point, Sometimes you wonder. I
1: wonder what they're thinking. Well, I think the thing is they're <laughs> not thinking. What they're doing is being. Yeah. So what helped me as a, a youngster, I was still very much aware of that connection. But as a three-year-old and 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 growing up, you don't question or talk about that to anybody else because it's not something you don't think anybody, nobody else is. You know. Not it's just you are doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just a natural thing, yeah. so it's not a question like, uh, "Is it just me?" or "Is everybody else doing it?" You don't. It's not a question. So for me, uh, I was quite insular. So I would go up into my bedroom, even like four, five, six years old, and I'd be sat having a conversation in my head with something mm. that yeah. I hadn't got with a presence, but not a visual or presence, but like an audio, an audio kind mm-hmm. of thing that was going off and it was it was almost like a conversation that was happening where I knew things like death didn't exist I knew all these things that didn't seem to fit with the family dynamics or so not just family but society dynamics, it didn't fit and I, mean, I can use these words now but as a three year old, four year old, five year old and then In those days as well, uh, when we were at school, when we were young, uh, it was assembly. And I don't have a religion. I've never had a religion. I've dabbled into things, as as we may speak about, but I've never had a a religion. But they would talk about Jesus and what Jesus uh, said and what Jesus did and all these stories that were shared about Jesus. And that made sense to me as a child, and I hung on to that because what I knew in my connection and these private conversations in my little bedroom, you know, all the kids are supposed to be going to sleep and I'm sat dangling (laughs) my legs having this kind of conversation, which I still do. Um, I knew that what I was being told by the school teachers was true. This fella called Jesus, whether he lived or not, it, it was true to me. So I hung on to that, and at six years old, I asked my father if he would take me to church, because my family are not religious. Mm-hmm. So there was a church at the next, top of the next street to us, and in those days, I mean, I'm 60 now, so in those days, you could take your kid to church and leave them there. Yeah. So, it was, so I went in, and, and again, in those days, the churches were full. So my dad took me down to the pew at the bottom, and he sat me there, and I sat there again, Got lots of memories of me swinging my little legs. <laughs> and the vicar, who seemed very old to me at the time, probably about 30, but he was stood in, in his in his pulpit to a very big congregation. And, he, and I didn't understand most of what he was saying. And then he started to speak about Jesus. And he said, he said these words that gave me such comfort. Mm-hmm. And the words were, I think it was, It was a whole story about Jesus, but I can only remember this part. And the words were, Jesus said, you are this and more. You can do this and more. And I knew that that was correct. I knew that we'd got all these powers. But I could never have those conversations in family or anywhere. I was a a toddler. I'm only just having these conversations now and I'm 60. So I was looking around in the church, and these adults that were probably... 30, 40 year forty-year-old, but to me, it looked quite old. They were just kind of like subdued, like nodding, like, and I was really excited because this information is exciting. So I was like, "What?" Thinking, "Why isn't everybody jumping up and down? This is really good news. This is really good news." So, to give you a, that was a kind of a long answer to a short question, <laughs> but to give you that that answer. Because of understanding that, because of what was shared in those assemblies, I knew that this person that was revered, I knew some of that myself, and that helped me. As, and as as, a, as I grew up, then I started to look at other things. But that was the thing that helped me. It was a very uncomfortable childhood. Um, I think when I got to about 12, 13, my mum had the house exercise. <laughs> when I was at school, um, didn't know that while I was about 30. Right. But yeah, um, so yeah, very uncomfortable childhood. And, and adulthood as well, because this kind of conversation is only just really starting to happen in the it, last it couple is, of and, decades. You know,
0: I'm... I kind of look at it and I I describe this as being a journey of learning and discovery for myself because I'm just I'm I'm quite an open-minded person anyway and I, and experiences over the last year or two have just made me think a little bit more think a little bit um sometimes more critically but sometimes more openly as well and sort of saying to myself don't dismiss it listen to it watch it observe and you know make your own own decisions um but you've mentioned there that how those words resonated with you and made they made sense to you Mm -hmm. does that were you looking is that because you were able to sort of look back as well or being a visionary is that only forward looking at what what is coming rather than what's been i'm just trying to put those two together where He's talking about Jesus and you're piecing it together. Or is that just making the connection between the assembly and church?
1: Um, really for me, that what was important for me was the confirmation, just for me as a little kid yeah. at that time. That was the confirmation for me. That was the important thing. But what was it confirming? It was confirming that what I knew as a child, that we are these spiritual beings that have got these powers. Yeah. I knew that as a child, I knew that death didn't exist. So we had in our in in my family there were a few tragedies, um, which have the mark on the family. But I didn't go through them like anybody else because I knew that death didn't exist. But I couldn't have that conversation with my family members. Yeah. It's not something you know. We're going back fifty years, you know, fifty five years here, so it's not conversation that I could have had there. So in when I when I speak about Jesus in the church and the um, uh, visions, it didn't have an effect on calming the visions down. It just was the thing that helped me through. So I knew, I actually knew that when I was a child, I knew that humanity had come to a point in our history where we'd have to make a choice and that choice is to be who we really are as spiritual beings or not to do that work yeah. and one choice would lead to dystopia and the other choice could lead to utopian society so I don't know if I've answered that okay. question properly That's why I, know it.
0: I suppose the other thing I'm thinking of is it, from that is that you've said death doesn't exist mm-hmm. so what are we experiencing
1: um, what are we experiencing? So somebody, I'm just going to change this around a little okay. bit. Somebody once asked me, to do with self-realization, they asked me a question and they said, Kerry, how many lifetimes do you think that it's taken you to have self-realization? And my answer was one. One lifetime, many bodies. So we are spiritual beings we are energy we are infinite consciousness that infinite consciousness manifests itself in a myriad of ways through human beings plants trees animals rocks whatever it is all frequency all vibration so when we if you like say leave this body um which I don't think the soul Check is inside the, the body. Suit. Yeah, when the meat suit is no longer <laughs> needed. <Yep. laughs> when we no longer need the meat suit, our co- we are still consciousness. We are the consciousness behind the meat suit. So, like, I've been a meditation teacher for 23 years. After I had uh, self-realisation, it's just labels, but after I had self-realisation, obviously wanted to share that information with, yep. with people. And... Um, thread I've lost my thread <laughs> you might have to edit meditation <laughs> meditation you have lost my thread there might have to
0: stop I'll just put a marker in there then so that we know okay. where we
1: yeah where did know, I, I go with that sorry of course thread. yeah go for it where did we get to John sorry
0: <sighs> I don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a to conversation today with this young guy and when you get talking about the deep stuff like yeah. this the feeling takes over and the mind starts to go blank and then you're like where did I just go to yeah and I just had one of those moments so, so excuse me no that's
0: fine and I was let I'm, me I'm just pause so
1: it. death exists it was so
0: you were saying death doesn't exist no. and I ask you what happens? Where where are we going? What's, what's occurring? Um, we've got to this point of we take off the meat suit. And I think that's probably I could pick up from there from that last conversation of uh, taking off the meat suit when it's no longer needed. Over to you.
1: Okay. So taking off the meat suit, my experiences were not inside the body anyway. So, um, the soul is not inside the body. The consciousness is not inside the body. The body is inside consciousness. It's a unified field. And the body exists inside there. I mean, the quantum physics, physicists will tell you that we're nearly all vibration. There's a very, very tiny bit of us that are ma- that's matter. Yep. So when we are not using this body anymore, we are still the consciousness. So the consciousness is always there. The consciousness is behind that. So the consciousness is what we are if the people that are listening that are meditators if the meditators and they've experienced what was called the witness so this witnessing consciousness so you sat in meditation and you're aware of yourself meditating it's that awareness yeah. that is who we are so the meat suit the body when it's not needed anymore the awareness is still there so that's why there's no death so then we can take on more bodies, yeah. you know, if we choose to do that.
0: In a conversation I was having with someone uh, a week or two ago, uh, again, for the podcast, so people will hear it and they'll they'll be able to piece these things together. Um gentleman told me that I'd had 28 past lives, or 27 plus this one, I can't remember which exactly which way it was, but he mentioned 28. Now, my... Uh, I suppose my schoolboy humour then comes in and went, having been given that as we return in this human form, uh, as we're calling it, because we haven't finished learning or teaching. And so when he says 28, he just asked his spirit guides the question, they answered 28, and I just went... I'm a slow learner then. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's just I suppose in a way it's one of it's one of those habits um of kind of I suppose really putting yourself down a little bit, which is not necessarily a good thing, but it was just the automatic reaction that I had. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that, I suppose that leads into what you've said earlier about this the the being but without the meat too, so, you know, is yeah. that energy and, and how that continues. So you're one life, one lifetime and however many appearances or visitations yeah. to, yeah. to do them. How
1: many walking parts we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like um, in in the experience that I've had, self-realization is, uh, you know, it's not here to learn, we're here to experience. Mm-hmm. So, to me, this is not a school. This is a place where we experience our infinite consciousness. So, infinity, the the consciousness, the awareness. Um, In the non-manifest realm, so there's uh, two kind of realms we see, this physical realm of light that we call life, and the non-manifest realm. So, in the non-manifest realm, a consciousness can't experience itself because there's nothing to experience itself, but yep. there's nothing to compare itself. So we take on bodies and form. So from the formless, we take on form right, to experience all that we are. That's why we've got all these different um, individuations of consciousness that we call trees and plants and life and people and animals and things. Yep. So the the difference... Um, that I would like to share is, it's not a school, it's a place where we get to experience different parts of our consciousness. We're already perfect, whole and complete when we're in the non-manifest, in the no form. And then when we come to form, that's when we get the time and the space to experience what chocolate tastes like and what connection tastes like and what hot and cold. So this is a planet of polarity. So we get to experience the dark side of what we are and the light side of what we are because we've got all this contrast. So for me, this is not a school. This is a playground where we get to play with the infinity of who we are through these meat suits.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I love that. As, and there's there's several things that spin through my head as you're explaining that, and excuse me, and it also it it makes me think of people that I've already spoken with on this podcast, and how there's differences but similarities in what each of you are saying. So that, that's really interesting, and I think when I get into listening back over everything, I don't know if I'll get the time, but when I do listen back to, to the podcast episodes, I can then start to piece people into, um, I don't want to say categories, but for want of a better description, categories, people that have a particular outlook or perception uh, or belief, and then others, you know, and that in itself is the polarity that you've just explained. People on one side of the fence, people on the other, mm. and... No doubt there'll be a few people still sitting on that fence wondering which way to jump.
1: Mm, that's a very wobbly fence as a lot yeah. of people yeah. sat on it. Yeah, it needs a lot of support, yeah. that fence. <laughs> so I want to kind
0: of just jump into something slightly different realm, I suppose, for want of a better description. But the visionary, utopia. Give me an example of what utopia looked like to you.
1: As a child? As a child. Okay. So I still have the same visions not as often now so i think it was probably last winter when i had a vision um one of those visions because i have visions of different things but one yeah. of those visions so as a child um the utopian vision was the way that we live in the future um i think elon musk might approve of some of these things actually but i used to see i saw things like biodomes so lots of connecting biodomes. If you've yeah. ever been to the Eden Project in Cornwall, the big I biodomes. I haven't been to it. I'm,
0: I am aware of it, though, and yeah. I know what you yeah.
1: yeah, so lots of big biodomes. Um, the um, transport that I saw was uh, transport that was transport above the ground. It wasn't on the ground. It was silent transport. So it was very futuristic. The way that we live was very futuristic. Yeah. So there are some of the kind of technologies, but the way that people are is different. So uh, we come to a stage, we, we get... These are the visions. So if people choose to... Um, explore and expand their consciousness we'll get to a stage where we realize that we are creators we are part of a creation process Mm -hmm. so a co-creating process so i guess i'm i'm not a scientist i didn't even take a maths exam so i know this stuff from self-realization so you know we are um individuations of frequency if you like inside a bigger field of frequency so the quantum physicists would call that the unified field so our frequency is instruction that's instructing the unified field to uh it's just giving instruction to the unified field and the unified field then delivers that back to us as life as experience as material stuff as um coming on a podcast with you today (laughs) as doing all these things everything that we call life so as and I think this is where we're at now you know in 2006 something that came out in the mainstream as near as mainstream as it could be was the secret and people started to kind of get interested in the law of attraction and this is what this is the start of that so the start of that is people kind of experimenting with the knowing that the thought's create the feelings the feelings are vibrations the vibration is having an effect in the bigger field which is then manifesting whatever it's manifesting based on the information that we're feeding the field basically so how that pans out is humanity starts to realize that oh hang on a sec we're actually i'm co-creating i'm actually having an effect on my life i've been playing with the law of attraction and i can see that i'm getting the First of all, the, the green light, the parking spaces, all these like little things like that. can see that I'm getting those. And then as we unroll that and people start taking responsibility for the vibration and the frequency, start to realize that, just a second, if I'm doing that as an individual, what are we doing collectively? Collectively, we've got a collective vibration. This collective vibration is creative. So are we creating what we see outside now? Yes, we are. So mm-hmm. this is what I call conscious evolution. So that means we're becoming conscious that we are these incredible beings. So I saw that as a baby, as a child. I've seen it growing up and, you know, understanding. Why? We're not aware of that at the minute because we've been conditioned, because our yeah. subconscious mind's been conditioned to believe that we are just these meat suits yeah. with very limited, <laughs> very
0: limiting powers. It does make you think, though, I mean, and we are digressing probably a little bit here, but when you think of some of the futuristic films that have been out there, you don't just suddenly have an idea for that. You know, th- this is probably the uh, the construct of people who maybe are similar to yourself and have, have had these visions as youngsters and have got into um, either writing or into um, the movie industry and, and have had the ideas. They put those forward as a script or a concept and somebody's then making that into a reality because there, there's a lot now that's coming around uh, in the last few years, I'd say the last decade, that 30 years or so ago was being portrayed as being maybe the late 90s when it was going to happen. So it's kind of, it's behind the curve in that sense of development. But we are starting to see quite a lot of similarities, aren't we? Mm. And, and I think they can't just come from somewhere that's not just someone's imagination. Because how can somebody have an imagination like that without having seen something somewhere, somehow in, in the past. And so that's where I'm really fascinated with a lot of what you said about how you've seen things as, as a three-year-old and it's how you retain that and process it and, and how it's coming out. But, and I think it's quite interesting that you say it's only in recent years that you're talking about it.
1: In public. Yeah. So uh, since two... Uh, so I have had Mind, Body, Spirit shops. So I used to have conversations with people privately in, in my shops and, yeah. you know, in, in teaching groups and things like that. Um, but now people, like you were saying earlier about yourself and how you say, oh, keep an open mind about this. Keep an open mind about this. Yeah. And that gives kind of a bit of comfort to people to to be able to share the experiences that yeah. they've had because in the past, you know, I opened Mind Body Spirit Shops in, in the early nineties and an oil burner then was considered something quite dark. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so sharing stuff like this now, yeah. you can only do things at the right time. And the time, we're at that point, we're at that kind of crux point now where we have to make that choice. You know, are we going to become conscious that we are these incredible people? You know, Buddha told us that we are the Buddha inside. Jesus told us all these sages and saints, all these masters have told us the same thing. We are it. But what we've done is gone, no, we're not because our mind's so so conditioned
0: somebody in, uh, in an episode a few, few weeks ago that I was recording and they, they said that as a child, and that this resonates with me now from what you've said but as a child, everybody has the ability or everybody is open in that way and it's closed down, locked away um, suppressed by um, society and education and basically we're, we're educated out of things that really we should be keeping open and and being more aware and more active with
1: absolutely i mean that's another one of the visions that's part of the utopian society is when children are born then we educate them so that they understand that they are creators you know because now children we go to school and we're told we have to do everything's about you've got to do something and really it's all about being So as children are born in the future, if we make these choices, it's a big choice. If we make these choices to go inside and find that truth, because this is not about following anybody. This is about going inside and finding our own truth. It's there. If we can quiet the mind, the truth is, you know, it's it's hidden in plain sight, so to speak. (laughs) So part of that um, utopian vision is children will know because the adults will have done the work. We will have... We will understand that we, our subconscious mind is full of limiting beliefs and programs, ancestral stuff. Yep. If we heal that, and then we quiet ourselves, we experiment and we start to realize that yes, we are creating. Then we're going to hand down a very different set of guidelines and um, teachings to our children.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Do you know what I think? I think we <laughs> should. I think we should stop there. There's so much more to talk about, but I think for a, for an introductory episode, just to get some of these concepts and, and um, messages across, I think it's a fantastic place to be and to, and to stop for now. I think we probably could plan um, like a an hour-long episode, okay. a bit of a bonus one or something like that in the future. We'll, we'll, we'll get that lined up. But we'll wrap this one up. Thank you very much for coming and seeing thank me you. today i know thank you've had a busy day so i really do appreciate you, <laughs> thank you, see you sort much. of tagging this on the back of your day and um yeah let's look forward to the next episode and the one after that <laughs> the one after that because i think there's a lot more conversation to be had kerry it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for coming on
1: thank you sean it's been great look forward to the next well. one thank you